0: Episode 22 By now, the author's belief that the policy of shutting up houses was futile and cruel should be abundantly clear. But just in case it isn't, here are more anecdotes illustrating that point. You'll recall that a few episodes ago, the author mentions that he was appointed a watcher himself over his most strident protests, including his assertion that he couldn't discharge his duties faithfully because of his objections to the policy. Here he reveals that he was able to pay someone to take his place after a mere three weeks. But particularly as these weeks were at the height of the epidemic, his experiences overwhelmingly confirmed his objections. During his brief tenure as a watcher, he comes to the conclusion that a superior way to manage the disease would be to remove the healthy from infected households, rather than imprisoning them there. Finally, however, as the epidemic reaches the apex of its fury, even the shutting up of houses stops, and, quote, the people sat still looking at one another, unquote, in shocked silence. It was for want of people conversing one with another in this time of calamity that it was impossible any particular person could come at the knowledge of all the extraordinary cases that occurred in different families. And particularly, I believe, it was never known to this day how many people in their deliriums drown themselves in the Thames, and in the river which runs from the marshes by Hackney, which we generally call Ware River, or Hackney River. As to those which were set down in the weekly bill, they were indeed few, nor could it be known of any of those whether they drowned themselves by accident or not. But I believe I might reckon up more who within the compass of my knowledge or observation really drowned themselves in that year than are put down in the bill of all put together. For many of the bodies were never found who yet were known to be lost, and the like in other methods of self-destruction. There was also one man in or about Whitecross Street burned himself to death in his bed, some said it was done by himself, others that it was by the treachery of the nurse that attended him, but that he had the plague upon him was agreed by all. It was a merciful disposition of Providence also, and which I have many times thought of at that time, that no fires, or no considerable ones at least, happened in the city during that year, which, if it had been otherwise, would have been very dreadful, and either the people must have let them alone unquenched or have come together in great crowds and throngs, unconcerned at the danger of infection, not concerned at the houses they went into, at the goods they handled, or at the persons or the people they came among. But so it was, that excepting that in Cripplegate Parish in two or three little eruptions of fires, which were presently extinguished, there was no disaster of that kind happened in the whole year. They told us a story of a house in a place called Swan Alley, passing from Goswell Street, near the end of Old Street, into St. John's Street, that a family was infected there in so terrible a manner that every one of the house died. The last person lay dead on the floor and, as it was supposed, had lain herself all along to die just before the fire. The fire, it seems, had fallen from its place, being of wood, and had taken hold of the boards and the joists they lay on, and burnt as far— Just as to the body, but had not taken hold of the dead body, though she had little more on than her shift, and had gone out of itself, not burning the rest of the house, though it was a slight timber house. How true this might be, I do not determine, but the city being to suffer severely the next year by fire, this year it felt very little of that calamity. Indeed, considering the deliriums which the agony threw people into, and how I have mentioned in their madness, when they were alone, they did many desperate things. It was very strange there were no more disasters of that kind. It has been frequently asked me, and I cannot say that I ever knew how to give a direct answer to it, how it came to pass that so many infected people appeared abroad in the streets at the same time that the houses which were infected were so vigilantly searched, and all of them shut up and guarded as they were. I confess I know not what answer to give to this, unless it be this, that in so great and populous a city as this, it is impossible to discover every house that was infected as soon as it was so, or to shut up all the houses that were infected, so that people had the liberty of going about the streets, even where they pleased, unless they were known to belong to such and such infected houses. It is true that, as several physicians told my Lord Mayor, The fury of the contagion was such at some particular times, and people sickened so fast and died so soon, that it was impossible, and indeed to no purpose, to go about to inquire who was sick and who was well, or to shut them up with such exactness as the thing required, almost every house in a whole street being infected, and in many places every person in some of the houses, and that which was still worse— By the time that the houses were known to be infected, most of the persons infected would be stone dead, and the rest run away for fear of being shut up, so that it was to very small purpose to call them infected houses and shut them up, the infection having ravaged and taken its leave of the house before it was really known that the family was in any way touched. This might be sufficient to convince any reasonable person that it was not in the power of the magistrates or of any human methods of policy, to prevent the spreading of infection, so that this way of shutting up of houses was perfectly insufficient for that end. Indeed, it seemed to have no manner of public good in it, equal or proportionable to the grievous burden that it was to the particular families that were so shut up. And, as far as I was employed by the public in directing that severity, I frequently found occasion to see that it was incapable of answering the end. For example, as I was desired as a visitor or examiner to inquire into the particulars of several families which were infected, we scarce came to any house where the plague had visibly appeared in the family, but that some of the family were fled and gone. The magistrates would resent this, and charge the examiners with being remiss in their examination or inspection, but by that means houses were long infected before it was known. Now, as I was in this dangerous office but half the appointed time, which was two months, it was long enough to inform myself that we were in no way capable of coming at the knowledge of the true state of any family, but by inquiring at the door of the neighbors. As for going into every house to search, that was a part no authority would offer to impose on the inhabitants or any citizen would undertake, for it would have been exposing us to certain infection and death and to the ruin of our own families as well as of ourselves. Nor would any citizen of probity, and that could be depended upon, have stayed in the town if they had been made liable to such severity. Seeing, then, that we could come at the certainty of things by no method but that of inquiry of the neighbours or of the family, and on that we could not justly depend, it was not possible but that the uncertainty of this matter would remain as above. It is true, masters of families were bound by the order to give notice to the examiner of the place wherein he lived, within two hours after he should discover it, of any person being sick in his house, that is to say, having signs of the infection. But they found so many ways to evade this, and excuse their negligence, that they seldom gave that notice till they had taken measures to have everyone escape out of the house who had a mind to escape, whether they were sick or sound. And while this was so, it was easy to see that the shutting up of houses was in no way to be depended on as a sufficient method for putting a stop to the infection, because, as I have said elsewhere, many of those that so went out of those infected houses had the plague really upon them, though they might really think themselves sound. And some of these were the people that walked the streets until they fell down dead. Not that they were suddenly struck down with the distemper as with the bullet that killed with the stroke, but that they really had the infection in their blood long before, only that as it preyed secretly on the vitals, it appeared not till it seized the heart with a mortal power, and the patient died in a moment, as with a sudden fainting or an epileptic fit. I know that some even of our physicians thought for a time that those people that so died in the streets were seized but that moment they fell, as if they had been touched by a stroke from heaven as men are killed by a flash of lightning. But they found reason to alter their opinion afterward, for upon examining the bodies of such after they were dead, they always either had tokens upon them or other evident proofs of the distemper having been longer upon them than they had otherwise expected. This often was the reason that, as I've said, We that were examiners were not able to come at the knowledge of the infection being entered into a house till it was too late to shut it up, and sometimes not till the people that were left were all dead. In Petticoat Lane two houses together were infected, and several people sick; but the distemper was so well concealed, the examiner (who was my neighbor) got no knowledge of it till notice was sent him that the people were all dead, and that the cart should come there to fetch them away. The two heads of the families concerted their measures, And so ordered their matters as that when the examiner was in the neighborhood, they appeared generally at a time, and answered, that is, lied, for one another, or got some of the neighborhood to say they were all in health, and perhaps knew no better till, death making it impossible to keep it any longer as a secret, the dead carts were called in the night to both the houses, and so it became public. But when the examiner ordered the constable to shut up the houses, there was nobody left in them but three people two in one house, and one in the other, just dying, and a nurse in each house who acknowledged that they had buried five before, that the houses had been infected nine or ten days, and that for all the rest of the two families, which were many, they were gone, some sick, some well, or whether sick or well could not be known. In like manner, at another house in the same lane, a man having his family infected but very unwilling to be shut up, when he could conceal it no longer, shut up himself. That is to say, he set the great red cross upon his door with the words, Lord, have mercy upon us, and so deluded the examiner, who supposed it had been done by the constable by order of the other examiner, for there were two examiners to every district or precinct. By this means he had free egress and regress into his house again, and out of it, as he pleased, notwithstanding it was infected, till at length his stratagem was found out, and then he, with the sound part of his servants and family, made off and escaped, so they were not shut up at all. These things made it very hard, if not impossible, as I have said, to prevent the spreading of an infection by the shutting up of houses, unless the people would think the shutting up of their houses no grievance, and be so willing to have it done as that they would give notice duly and faithfully to the magistrates of their being infected as soon as it was known by themselves. But as that cannot be expected from them, and the examiners cannot be supposed, as above, to go into their houses to visit and search, all the good of shutting up houses will be defeated, and few houses will be shut up in time, except those of the poor, who cannot conceal it, and of some people who will be discovered by the terror and consternation which the things put them into. I got myself discharged of the dangerous office I was in as soon as I could get another admitted, whom I had obtained for a little money to accept of it. And so, instead of serving the two months which was directed, I was not above three weeks in it, and a great while, too, considering it was in the month of August, at which time the distemper began to rage with great violence at our end of the town. In the execution of this office I could not refrain speaking my opinion among my neighbors as to the shutting up of the people in their houses, in which we saw most evidently the severities that were used, though grievous in themselves, had also this particular objection against them, namely, that they did not answer the end. As I have said, but that the distempered people went day by day about the streets, and it was our united opinion that a method to have removed the sound from the sick, in case of a particular house being visited, would have been much more reasonable on many accounts, leaving no one with the sick persons, but such as should on such occasion request to stay and declare themselves content to be shut up with them. Our scheme for removing those that were sound from those that were sick was only in such houses as were infected, and confining the sick was no confinement. Those that could not stir would not complain while they were in their senses, and while they had the power of judging. Indeed, when they came to be delirious and light-headed, then they would cry out of the cruelty of being confined. But for the removal of those that were well, we thought it highly reasonable and just, for their own sakes, that they should be removed from the sick and that for other people's safety, they should keep retired for a while, to see that they were sound, and might not infect others, and we thought 20 or 30 days enough for this. Now, certainly, if houses had been provided on purpose for those that were sound to perform this demi-quarantine in, they would have much less reason to think themselves injured in such a restraint than in being confined with infected people in the houses where they lived. It is here, however, to be observed, that after the funerals became so many that people could not toll the bell, mourn, or weep, or wear black for one another, as they did before, no, nor so much as make coffins for those that died, so after a while the fury of the infection appeared to be so increased that, in short, they shut up no houses at all. It seemed enough that all the remedies of that kind had been used, till they were found fruitless, and that the plague spread itself with an irresistible fury, so that as the fire of the succeeding year spread itself, and burned with such violence that the citizens, in despair, gave over their endeavors to extinguish it, so in the plague it came at last to such violence that the people sat still looking at one another, and seemed quite abandoned to despair. Whole streets seemed to be desolated, and not to be shut up only, but to be emptied of their inhabitants. Doors were left open, windows stood shattering with the wind and empty houses for want of people to shut them. In a word, people began to give themselves up to their fears and to think that all regulations and methods were in vain, and that there was nothing to be hoped for but a universal desolation. And it was even in the height of this general despair that it pleased God to stay His hand and to slacken the fury of the contagion, in such a manner as was even surprising, like its beginning, and demonstrated it to be his own particular hand, and that above, if not without the agency of means, as I shall take notice of in its proper place."